Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing well. Thank you. Thank you. You know, um, there's been a lot in the news about uh, criminal justice and who who really gets a fair deal in the courts. And we have this trial. It's it's a trial, but it's a it's a government uh, congressional hearing to find out who the real criminals were on January 6th. Yeah. And uh, it's nothing but, you know, a show trial. But uh, it, but there's a lot of abuse there. A lot of people have suffered from it, <laughs> like the ones who are still locked up without charges. Yeah. I mean, you could list it. And it's all done in the name of seeking justice. Well, there's... Uh, there's, there's another thing that's happened. There was this court ruling on abortion. Yeah. And from our viewpoint, probably not perfect, but it at least erased some of the very bad imperfections of the federal government uh, a few years back in 1973, where they took over the whole subject of uh, how states uh, must deal with an act of violence, which we consider that, that to be, uh, you know, an abortion. But the government uh, became a monopolist on that. They they uh, they prohibited it in many areas, but but they also uh, had a lot of rules and regulations. They got in fear, involved in medical care, what you could do in the third trimester, and and what you couldn't do. This sort of thing, and it was <clears throat> even if. Even if you had two objective people, one believed in abortion and one didn't believe in abortion, if they were truly objective and cared about the process, they both would agree. Well, you know, it should have never been written because uh, it looks like the court uh, merely, you know, went back uh, to a status where they canceled out this nationalization of dealing with this issue. But uh, it's, that's, it's turned into really, really a hot potato. It's a, it's a big deal right now. And are they dealing with the subject of what is constitutional, what should be done at the state? And what, it has nothing to do with it now. Now it's hysteria. It's, an oppor- it's a political opportunity for the, the radical, you know, the, the far leftists who, who think that uh, it is the duty of the federal government. Matter of fact, there are same individuals who have taken that position have actually said that they don't even like like the Constitution, yeah. they'd get rid of the Constitution. But uh, th- this has led to a, uh, an aggressive attack on the Supreme Court justices, which uh, most people say on television, certainly I would agree with them, it's never been done like this before. Whoever heard of, uh, you know, uh, ra- radically uh, and aggressively trying to, you know, d- destroy the lives of the Supreme Court justices by harassing them? And this is getting th- getting to be, but uh, we-, we have a story out where this appeared on a hedge where they describe an individual uh, that um, that said, said a few words uh, how this should be handled. Uh, she, 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 she was talking about uh, the justices, the Supreme Court justices, the six that said to go with states' rights. And they, they and Kara uh, Mbalo, the individual who was an uh, instructor, said, these justices who overturn Roe should never know peace again. Judge and jury, right there. Yeah. But it's interesting. There's a lot of politics involved here. A lot of things going on. A lot of pressure. But uh, above all else, very impolite, you know, to say the least. Indeed, it is. And you know, this is the, an example. We can put up this first clip. 
uh, of, of what she said. She is an instructor, Alejandra Caraballo, instructor at Harvard Law School. As you said before the show, well, she may have a college degree. Yeah, she does, probably. <laughs> and as you say, here's what she said. The six justices who overturned Roe should never know peace again, which is frightening when you think about the fact that one of those justices, Justice Kavanaugh, literally had an armed man arrested near his house with the intention to do him harm. Yet Caraballo was able to tweet this with impunity after that. And the second part of what she's, you can leave it up actually, is interesting, thanks. And the second part though, it's easy to, no, go backwards if you will. Uh, uh, it's easy to um, think about that first part, Dr. Paul, and think, wow, that's pretty bad. But she also said, it is our civic duty to accost them every time they're in public. And if you look at accost up in the dictionary, to approach and address someone boldly or aggressively. So she is essentially calling for aggression against the members of the Supreme Court who ruled in a way that she does not like. Um, and that is, I think, a very dangerous thing. Ironically, I would, I would categorize this as a threat. I think it's pretty openly a threat. Um, Twitter doesn't seem to think so. Uh, this tweet remains, in fact, I just saw this tweet this morning, it's still up. There's impunity for people who say this. And here's Alejandra, let's have a look at her again. Uh, this is from her Twitter, Twitter profile, here she is, uh, Alejandra. And let's go ahead and look at her Twitter profile, the next picture, and you'll see that she is a clinical instructor at Harvard Law. She has her pronouns listed, which is very helpful to know. And she's threatening the Supreme Court, and that's just fine with Twitter and everyone else. All right. And the bizarre thing is, think how many, <clears throat> how many parents gather their funds together to make sure that they get their children a good education <laughs> and have the reputation of Harvard. You know, as long as Harvard still maintains a good reputation, some days it is challenged, but they have this reputation and parents will sacrifice just to get that label on there and, and just think how much harm's done. Yeah. And that's, that's who's going to do the propagandizing. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's nothing about a, a, a political operation there. You know, and, and this is the same deal that they were doing with, with Trump. Look at the energy they've put into convicting Trump of insurrection. Yeah. You know, they're, they're still working on that. How many, how many innocent people along the way have, have suffered with all this pretense, uh, this show trial that's going on? I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, if, if there's been some misdemeanors or something like that, nobody's having a qualm with that. But to do this and, and round up, how many, 600, 800 people they were locked up and held without bond and never saw a judge? And they call that justice? And, and they'll, now they're coming along and they're going to sort out the justice here uh, on the Supreme Court justice. But it goes along with the quotes that have been in the media that some of these people who are so aggressive, they, they really despise the Constitution because it restrains them. They're authoritarians. And the Constitution's effort was to, you know, eliminate the power of an authoritarian, not allow them to be. But, you know, uh, one thing uh, Adam said, he says, hey, you can have your Republican if, if, you, uh, if, the, if you have the morality and the with the people that you will oppose it. So they're not being opposed enough. We, we're too complacent. We let it, we let it happen. But uh, people don't feel emboldened to do it. But 
course, we pointed out that uh, some of them have gotten uh, to be a little bit more emboldened when they look at the frustration they've had, how the schools were mistreating their children over COVID and the violations there. But this whole issue of justice, I think, is a big deal. And if you don't, if you can't depend on the justice system, whether it's DOJ or FBI or CIA or congressional hearings, you know, there's not much left to, uh, you, you know, a society that should uh, operate orderly. Well, authoritarians like this Harvard instructor absolutely refuse to lose. And if a decision like the Roe overturning goes against them, they by definition view it as something that's tainted by corruption. It's wrong. They will not lose. So they see everything as a ratchet. It continues this progression toward their victory. It never ratchets back. It continues to ratchet in tactical ways until they have their strategic victory. So if there is the appearance of a ratcheting back, then they, then they go ballistic like you see here. Um, but, you know, our good friend Jonathan Turley, who always, you know, is very careful. He takes a very cautious road, but he is a, a real lover of the Constitution. Here's his take on it. Let's put this next one up because he, he really captures what normal people should think about this. He says, as more on the left call for aggressive protests and public confrontations, this harassment is more and more likely to turn violent. There are many unbalanced individuals who will see such calls as a license for violent action. And that is incitement, right, is itself a right. problem. If I say, you know, hey, go shoot this guy, go shoot this guy, and, and, and he does it. I mean, you share some of the guilt. This is precisely what Caraballo is doing with impunity. You know, I see the biggest obstacles for the people trying to seek <clears throat> the truth and justice is that the opposition are very shrewd and very aggressive, which you just described, and that what they do is they take the issue and they flip it. Of course, uh, they're guilty of so many crimes. At the same time, they turn around and who, who are the enemies? They blame the enemies for doing exactly the same thing. And, and well, so what if it's a lie? They can't go very far. Oh, yeah, but it's a lie that's carried by, you, you know, the media. And, this, and that includes the, the uh, uh, mainstream media as, as well as the social media. And you can pound this propaganda into it. You can spend years trying to sort it out. I think some of it's been sorted out. Fortunately, they have uh, have revealed it. But like you say, they don't give up. They, they keep marching on. They'll figure another. They'll go on to the next uh, episode, you know, and the next war or whatever they need. Yeah. Well, today is a pretty bad day all around when it comes to uh, the news, I guess. And the next one, I think, is, is pretty bad. Now, we obviously, we criticize U.S. foreign policy. Uh, but that doesn't extend to individual members of the military who, by and large, I think people go in for, for honest reasons. Well, today, 60,000 uh, Army soldiers in the U.S. Army are going to find themselves cut off from their pay, from their benefits, from their insurance, from everything. And you say, well, what did they do? Did they sign up to fight uh, in favor of Russia or something? <laughs> no, they didn't. In fact, let's, today is the deadline. Let's put up that next clip from the Daily Caller. Army boots 60,000 unvaccinated soldiers amid recruiting crisis. So they can't find anyone to fight in the Army. The 60,000 who've said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and pass on that shot because A, as the CDC says, it doesn't prevent against infection and it doesn't prevent against transmission. So it's not a vaccine. I'll pass. Thank you very much. 
the U.S. military says you're out. 60,000 today. You know, I've always complained about uh, sending young people off uh, to these many, many wars in the last quite a few decades. Uh, and, and they go, the, the war has not been declared. It's unconstitutional. And they're supposed to go over there to defend the Constitution and defend our liberties. But here, th these individuals that are in the military, they want to use their liberty, freedom of choice. And, and uh, do they lose all their liberties once, once they're in the military? So they can't even use what they're expected to go out and, and be exposed, possibly to their own lives being exposed, because they're in the military. And that's what they're supposed to do. So it, it is a rotten system, and uh, it, it, it's so bold. But I, I just can't understand why there's not more resistance, even though we do cite the times when people do put their foot down. So enough is enough. And uh, we're also thinking that maybe at least that statement will be heard during this next six months or so, you know, when people are getting to uh, express themselves in voting. Not that we think that that's the all, end all to end all, but, but it might be a message, uh, just as the message was the, the way that the parents have resisted the lockdown. But this is a uh, uh, this is sort of a lockdown and lock out, uh, you know, do what we tell you. And everybody knows that a military does sign up uh, to do that. But when it comes to personal habits and personal health, it's sort of like, well, you know what? We have just proven that if you eat any meat, you're going to get sick and you can't eat any more meat, but you can eat the fake meat yeah, <laughs> because they need to make more money. They're in trouble. So they pass a law. So, so they could pretend anything they want uh, when, when they say they're doing it in the interest of the military. And you've already made the, made, made the point that uh, the, the, it's, uh, it's, it's not like it's uh, without a danger. Uh, matter of fact, every day I read more stories about uh, long term and the statistics coming out and truth will out in the end, but, uh, but right now it's slow coming. Well, you know, the, the neocons and the think tankers and all the elites, they love to say, support the troops. you got to support the troops. Well, it's, I hope that more of America will look at this event, this what's happening, and understand these people hate the troops. They don't support the troops. The people who support the troops are people like candidate Ron Paul, who the troops flocked to with their donations and with their interest, et cetera, et cetera. The people who want to keep us out of stupid wars are the people who support the troops. These people hate the troops. They've taken these 60,000 American soldiers and deprived them of their livelihoods because they won't take a shot that is not, according to the terms of what a vaccine is, unless we're going to change the dictionary, is not. It's just hard to believe, Dr. Paul, that we're having this discussion this day and age. I mean, if it were a year and a half ago, they would have a little bit of the upper hand. But thanks to a lot of brave people, and we talked about Alex Berenson and others uh, who have come out and said the truth about these shots, it's just hard to imagine that we're having this battle today. Yeah. And once again, you have to look at it, or at least I force myself to look at it from their viewpoint if their viewpoint is very sinister and they have ultimate goals. Maybe, uh, you know, we don't like the illicit use of our military and all these unnecessary wars, but they might, uh, they might, there might be a slew of them that uh, see that uh, a good 
military is, you know, a counteraction to, you know, the really bad guys. But isn't it it's, it's something that these are probably the best soldiers yeah. they have. Yeah. <laughs> They're the ones who who believed in personal choices and made, made good common sense. Good Americans, but they, they, yeah. But so maybe they, oh, well, that... They're, the, they're our enemy. <laughs> you know, we have to get rid of them. And also, just as uh, the chaos that has been developed in the streets, you say everything that the police are doing and the politicians are doing, the governors of states like California, what they're doing, it just makes everything so much worse. Well, this is likely to make things worse, uh, especially while they still have a foreign policy where they're exposing these young people. You know, into uh, into combat. So uh, it's a it's a, a bad situation. Of course, uh, uh, we have a lot of confidence that we had. If you had a non-interventionist foreign policy and you followed the Constitution and only getting involved when the people are behind it, you know, with declarations, we could have saved millions of lives uh, in the last 50 years. Yeah, in our position, of course, has always been: if you want to take the shot, take the shot. But these guys shouldn't be forced to do it. And the, the real irony here, as we started out this segment on, is that while they are having a devil of a time getting anyone to sign up, and of course they're having big, my friend Chuck Spinney sent something around this morning, they're giving big sign-on bonuses to people, 20 grand. I almost started to sign up, then I realized <laughs> I'm too old. <laughs> but they're having a hard time getting people to sign up. And here they kick people out. And actually, let's put this, this is from military.com. Here's the next, and we talked about this, I think, last week. Uh, go one forward if you can. There we go, military.com. The Army and its sister services have scrambled this year, offering increasingly generous benefits and policy tweaks. In an effort to improve recruiting numbers, the Army has hit only 40% of its recruiting goals this year. And later in this article, or I think another one on military.com, they've dropped the requirement that you have even a high school diploma or even a GED, and they've lowered the minimum ASVAB scores to way, way, way below minimum. So you're really kind of, I hate to say it, you're trying to drag the bottom of the barrel to get some warm bodies. And as you say, when you've got these 60,000 probably among the best informed and most intelligent and most patriotic Americans, you're gone. You know, with this money that they can bribe them with, and that that occurred a lot in the Middle Eastern wars when uh, young women went in, and they were uh, women with children yeah. uh, that uh, uh, needed it for the money, and they went in. So to me, it's sort of a, a type of a malinvestment. You know, it's it's not really a good investment in the defense of this country. And this is. You know, when they have to bribe these people, at one time they kick them out for being a decent person. Then they have to take somebody and bribe somebody to come in and replace them. And, of course, but you will be obedient. Yeah. If we tell you what your diet's going to be, you're going to follow it and, and uh, that sort of thing. So that's a pity. <laughs> well, our next segment should be called the Only in Washington segment. <laughs> and, in fact, if we, I got it out of order. If we can skip ahead to that picture of Newsom. For the next one, then we're going to have to unfortunately skip backward. Here we go. Gavin Newsom, California governor. California ranks 50th in literacy, literally the bottom of all the U.S. states. And what happens, Dr. Paul? The worst education governor in the country goes to Washington for an education award, only yeah, in D.C. But it's it's not just a puny little award. It's a national award, you know, uh, and uh, the organization that sort of runs our educational system because you can't do much without guidance and, and how to run these programs because if you come up short on uh, teaching CRT, 
you can be in trouble and you won't, <laughs> yeah, and you right. won't get your money. <laughs> no, you know, right. this sort of thing. But the, this organization that I had not heard much about that gets involved in this Education Commission of the state. So it is a national organization. And now they're getting all this grand publicity. Please, people, wake up. <laughs> wake up. It's your money. and <laughs> We're going broke. And we don't need all this activity. And we don't need this school system. You know, uh, uh, there's... Uh, a, a lot more. There's still uh, a strong interest in homeschooling, and I've been doing more interviews about homeschooling. But uh, this this couldn't happen in homeschooling because if no. somebody really leaks off, first thing is if it was just a matter of of different opinion, uh, you, you know, uh, under the rules. You can you can teach as long as it's you're not promoting violence you know you're not participating in a violent uh, program, but uh, this this thing is uh, this this thing is is a mockery of, of looking for the, for the truth you know to to do this and uh, giving him an award and uh, I mean more I read about him here he is he. He came uh, under pretty strong attack by the people in California. Yeah, it wasn't like to get rid of him. <laughs> it wasn't like he won overwhelmingly. And you know, if there hadn't been some flukes in there and all the opposition was uh, put together, he was in bad shape. But that that didn't happen. But uh, he he is he's he, when he comes across on TV. He comes across, unfortunately, very confident. Very slick, yeah. Very, very confident, and and uh, uh, he has money, uh, and made a lot of money. Probably the part of the um, free market he got some money, but uh, he also doesn't have to worry about his kids' education. <laughs> you, you, you know, uh, I don't know how many three or four kids, and they are getting a good education, not under this system, not yeah. under his system. He, he has them in you know a very private Exclusive. school. That's Schools, yeah. <laughs> that is actually, and, and they exclude this type of malarkey that they teach. And this this has been <clears throat> my big beef is <clears throat> the educational system has rotted away, government education. And it's all the way now, it's kindergarten all the way up through all the colleges and graduate work and the whole works is so, so polluted. So, uh, you, you know, a good old fashioned bankruptcy where the government has to get out of education. It really is an education. It's indoctrination. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's promoting a, a political philosophy that's ruining us, an economic philosophy that's ruining and a, a study of history that is totally confusing and misleading. But right now it's, it's still in place, but I think it's starting to crack. Yeah, and let's, if we can go back, and this is just kind of the tail of the tape here, we've already gone over it, but this is a tweet by someone who goes by Lex Luthor, and he points out the stats. California had the worst, longest school closures. 50% of students don't meet state English standards. Only 40% are proficient in math. We're 50th out of 50 on literacy. Yet Gavin Newsom flies to Washington to get an award for, quote, transformative improvements to education. Um, that probably means they can't read, but they've memorized all 8,000 genders, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, that's, that's for sure. Well, I'm going to close out. Um, again, if we can do that next one to remind our, our young people out there or those that know young people out there to apply today to be a 2022 Ron Paul Scholar. Scholar Day is the day before the day before 
the Ron Paul Institute Conference in Washington, D.C. on September 3rd. Scholars will have a one-day boot camp. And in fact, Dr. Paul, I'll make an announcement here, and I'm super thrilled about this. Our great friend Jacob Hornberger has agreed to open the Ron Paul Scholars Day with a lecture on Non-Intervention 101. And that's going to be a great start. There are other great instructors that are going to be there. Non-Intervention 101 from Jacob Hornberger. It doesn't get any better than this. So go to ronpaulinstitute.org. I'll put a link there and apply today. We've got some great applications. The competition is going to be really tough this year. Um, but I also want to do the last one again because I'm slacked off a little bit in my, in my PT Barnum Act. And that is to get your tickets for the conference. Um, if we can put that last clip up. Anatomy of a Police State, September 3rd, 2022, in the Washington Dulles area at the Westin Washington Dulles Airport. Great lineup of speakers. Uh, we talked about Jeff Dice. We'll announce a couple of other ones uh, coming up. We'll send out, I'm going to send out an update with some, some other speakers. It's going to be a great, great conference, great opportunity to meet people. And uh, I know that we both look forward to it. So get your tickets today, early bird rate through the month of July. Cheaper than last year. We're fighting the Putin price hike by giving you cheaper tickets. So get yours today. Very good. And uh, I can only say um, that these conferences that we have, we, we, in some ways we're a little bit selfish on this because we like to do them. We're, we're glad to meet the individuals. So many of the people who come to the conferences uh, do watch uh, the Liberty Report, and uh, we learn from them. I think that's the most important thing I learned in politics is uh, once you have a chance I, um, I, I tried to learn the lesson a long time ago that badgering doesn't help. No matter how strong you feel about something, it doesn't help. But what I have learned is, uh, is follow up on some curiosity and ask questions. So if and when I meet people out at our conferences, a lot of times I like to know, uh, you know more about how they came to thinking along these lines. And sometimes staff will get me and say, hey, you have a lot of people who shake hands. You better keep moving along. But I want to know, you know, especially when they come in there, they seem rather young. I say, how'd you get started in it? And there's always fascinating stories about this. So that is one reason why I like to go there because there's a benefit. And then uh, it it helps us understand where you're coming from, the people that are interested in the program, because everybody has a different approach. And so often I've been asked over the years, so what should I do? I agree with you, Ron. I, I want to do something. Tell me what I should do. And, and, you know, my answer is just do whatever you want, but just do something. And, of course, the uh, preliminary activity for that is to do your best, uh, as I continue to do, is to understand the issue of liberty and understand the better ways of expressing it. Because I think if uh, just being right and pushing it isn't enough, there has to be a way that liberty seems like it's a great benefit to one. That's why it's so easy for so many people to accept the welfare state, uh, because they believe government's going to help them. But then there's a other thing that if you have the powerful lobbyists when government gets too big and they see the opening that they're going to benefit, you know, if they have influence, you end up with a mess and you end up with a bankruptcy. You end up with the destruction of money, all those things which are they're, they're coming to an end. And uh, right now, as we move along, we'll talk about the things that are, you know, in bad shape. But we also have to talk about what would we do? Uh, how would we handle this? 
how would we handle the borders? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question for libertarians to answer because it's a big deal on what to do, and, and I've worked hard on trying to get a good answer for that. But I want to thank all of you for tuning in to the Liberty Report, and I want to uh, look forward to meeting you at our conference. Uh, and for all the viewers today, please come back soon to the Liberty Report.